Welcome to the Courageous Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Zanetti. Each episode, we meet thought leaders, game changers, and entrepreneurs sharing their mindset, skill set, and habits so you too can lead with courage and bring your vision to life. So today we have special guest, Tom Cronin, who is the creator of The Stillness Project. He also is an author of the book The Portal and has created an incredible feature film called The Portal, which is showing us how to calm our mind, open our heart and save the planet. And I'm so excited to have Tom here as our first uh incredible human that we are interviewing on our Courageous Leaders podcast because he has also played a significant role helping myself on my journey and I can't wait to share his magic with you all. Thanks so much, Tom. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, so, Tom, I could talk to you for hours. I have had the privilege of doing retreats with you, um, seeing your incredible uh, film come to life with the most powerful message. And there's so much we can dive into in this short amount of time. And I'd love to start with, um, you know, first of all, what lights you up? What sets your soul on fire? I guess, you know, it's a great question to start with, you know, and uh, what really makes my heart sing and sets my soul on fire is a, a number of different things. You know, one is I just being in nature is just a, a joyful experience for me and, and the, this incredible communion that happens and union that happens in that experience uh, with nature. Um, being with my family is a joyful experience and being in the in the space of transformation with someone or some group of people that's retreats one-on-one coaching weekend workshops i just taught some people on the weekend how to meditate you know that stuff just really makes me come alive and it's uh it's just a it feels like it's the sweet spot of where i'm supposed to be in my life absolutely and and i i witness your face light up and you do love to be around people and help support and guide and share your wisdom so yeah it's awesome and I love your commitment to your vision so could we briefly go to how you went from um being in this stock exchange world and then you know having that call to courage to follow your mission and your purpose and you know, dive deep uh, in meditation, going to India, etc. You know, can you share a little bit of your journey before we go into what where you are now? Yeah, you know, I started out using meditation just because I had so much stress, you know, stress and addictions in my life as a broker. And it was just so powerful. I just couldn't believe, like literally within weeks, you know, days even, how quickly it started to change my life. And at that time, you know, meditation was just really not, very well utilized in the world it's not like we had apps this was back in 1996 and um you know there was quite a untapped resource i think for our planet and i just couldn't believe that it wasn't in the world and everyone was using wasn't using it so i, I really became very passionate about getting meditation out to the world and not just even meditation but really the wisdom behind that you know just oh my goodness there's enlightenment how the hell, hell did i not know about this and so to really 
for my, my own personal reasons, go deep into that rabbit hole and explore everything I could and try and experience everything I could in that space of spiritual awakening. Um, but then having experienced these profound shifts, wanting to just share it with the world and um, bring it to the households of, you know, across the world. And I, I could see so much pain and suffering. And of course, it doesn't mean that I didn't suddenly end it, all the pain and suffering for me, but I could see that it w could provide so much support for so many people. And so that's when I started to do my teacher training and start to find ways to make this a mainstream thing. Yes. And I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, you know, coming from like uh, looking externally a lot for um, everything, being excited externally and actually going, you know what, I'm going to commit to doing the inner work and then having the courage to actually go, yep, I'm worthy, I'm enough, I'm, I have the uh, power within me to help share this message and help, you know, empower so many people to up-level their lives, like, what, what was it like to actually, you know, take on that um, incredible, uh, you know, to that mission of yours? You know, your mission at the Stillness Project is to empower one billion people to uh, choose meditation, to meditate daily. Yeah, it was petrifying and <laughs> something that... Uh, I grappled with for a long time, you know, and there are days still that, you know, you, you contemplate who the hell am I to be doing this, you know, and I think there's probably not a transformational leader out there at some point in their journey that really grapples with their level of worthiness or, um, you know, qualification to do what they do. So uh, for anyone that's listening, that's contemplating this, you know, the thing that will overcome that will be the will and the um, the passion that will will supersede the resistance of the ego and self doubt and unworthiness. So this is the thing that ultimately kept me going. There were times when I would like, I think I'm just going to get a job at Woolworths and pack shelves. You know, like what am I doing? <laughs> am I to believe that I could do this? And you get these times of self doubt and you know, you in your dark space, of course, you know, and I don't think there's many leaders that don't go through those either. Um, so I really want people to understand that we all have our human journey. It doesn't matter what we look like in the public limelight, that we're still behind closed doors. We still grapple with these things. And particularly when I completed my teacher training, I really grappled with that. But, you know, I still had a lot of things that I was dealing with and struggling with. Um, you know, I had a lot of addictions and was a bit of an asshole. So um, the, the, those traits were still lingering and still present um, even though I'd qualified as a meditation teacher it doesn't doesn't automatically clear them out of you and so as time went on you know they became less and less prevalent but they still had residual impact and residual effect in the personality so um, you know it's it's difficult and I think the thing that really just uh, like I said superseded that was the will and the commitment to, to somehow support other people that were going through challenges Beautiful. Um, I think that is absolute gold because we are human. Of course, we all have, no matter where we where we are at on our journey, whether we're starting out or we're, whether we've achieved amazing things and still moving forward, we all have this, um, you know, little bit of, am I really 
good enough to be able to hold this message. And I think you nailed it as well is like having that purpose greater than yourself, like that that vision is, pulls you and makes you keep taking action even when you have those days and, you know, not nice feedback sometimes, etc. So really beautiful message for those, you know, on their journey that feel that fire in their belly and are committed to their vision. So cool. Um, and you have created incredible um, programs. You've been through um, the Stillness Project has shared their message on how to relieve anxiety, also how to feel more enlightened, etc. And this has been on Mind Valley, and you know you've been able to create things all over the world. And more recently, you have brought this giant vision to life the portal like this feature film that has taken a few years to truly um be birthed and i would love to know i believe that who you become on the journey is even more magical than the vision like your who you become like you would have i'm sure come through many challenges adversities um, setbacks to actually create this legacy of a film that is transforming lives globally and really reminding people to look within and to meditate to be able to calm their mind and open their heart. <laughs> yeah, I think it's less of who I've become. It's more of who I've who I've let go of. Yes. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I was as you were talking, I was thinking about what that response might be, what was coming through for me was interesting that there's just less of me. Um, it, it's, it's, it sounds strange, but what we're doing in the journey towards enlightenment is letting go of the thing that's impeding our ability to experience what enlightenment already is. We already have it at the core of who we are, which is profound truth, wisdom, quietness, stillness. And you know, if you think of what stillness and silence is, it's the absence of noise and motion. And because of the challenges, because of the magnitude of the project, because of the, you know, the immense difficulties that we have to go through, you're constantly just dealing with the 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 the, the issue, which is the ego and its challenges, it, it's struggling with these challenges as opposed to just letting go of that ego that's responding to the challenges to allow yourself to move through the challenges. And I think it's hard to really put into words, but it's not normal for me, but it really is me becoming less of me mm. and more of a conduit so that this can reach the scale and the size that it needs to. And it's not about me and it's not about what I want. It's about, can I be clear of the vessel so that the vessel can flow smoothly and effortlessly from source to need? Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah, wow. So I... Um, I would love to know, I believe this letting go journey, we're going to go deep into the portal, literally, but letting go, like it's easier said than done. And a lot of the time um, experts talk about letting go and that's done by the power of meditation. Um, how can, is there, what's your magic secret to helping us let go? and become a true self. <laughs> yeah. I think the key to it is to 
firstly know and have direct experience of the uh, distinguishing points of who you think you are, which is ego, which is the thinking, feeling body, and what self with a capital S is, which is being or presence or awareness. And to know and experience the distinction between those two really is the starting point of the process, which is why, you know, I taught a group of people to meditate over the weekend. The starting point, as I say, with that weekend workshop is we're going to get you meditating from the get-go. There's no point in me giving you a knowledge and information until you have a direct experience of what that knowledge and information is talking about. So we can read books, we can do seminars, we can talk to psychologists, we can talk to therapists, but until we have direct experience with the unboundedness of pure being and the formlessness and presence and the unconditional love of just self itself, um, and be able to distinguish as to there's Tom, the personality and the ego and the feeling and thinking body, and then there's just self. And to know the distinction between those two is really the catalyst for the journey, the starting point. And then over time, it's this ongoing, gradual, slow burn of a process to relinquish the thing we're addicted to most, which is our ego and our desires. And look, it's not like it suddenly just disappears and you just presence, you know, even I had this discussion with a Zen master of mine about people like Eckhart Tolle. And it's like, you know, they're, they're, even with some of these very enlightened masters, there's still possibly some residual um, occupancy of an ego. So who knows? But um, the, I think, you know, the, the challenge is firstly going through the process of surrender into the practice of daily meditation and transcendence, um, which is a process of letting go. Um, but then there's the outside of your meditation practice, the ongoing observation and awareness and practice of letting go again. You know, where is my ego rising up to rattle the cage? Where is my ego overriding what's naturally just a, a present moment experience? You know, it's just, it's an ongoing process that takes time. Yes. See, you explained that beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. That helps a lot. And like you said, it's like a continual journey, you know. I believe, like, acceptance and letting go is like a daily practice, like for myself anyway. It helps me so much and to look within and not be looking externally continuously to validate my myself and where I'm going and my feelings and everything. Like, that's the magic, that unconditional self-love, knowing that you're worthy accepting yourself as you are and then you can come from that beautiful space to truly serve and because it is about others and it is about the impact you're creating rather than your needs um being met but you know meeting your needs first and then serving um beautiful so tell us a little bit about for our listeners that don't know about this portal movie that you have created it's been years in the making you've I've watched it twice it was that good um it's only available at cinemas at, at this stage yeah yep and is what would you like to share about the movie and you know some of the incredible experiences that you experienced while bringing this to life yeah you know it's a movie that we set out to showcase the power of meditation to move people through crisis to bring us out of the funk and the turmoil and the chaos and the discord that we can experience on this planet individually and collectively 
And we wanted to do it in a way that wasn't a bunch of men in lab coats talking about the science of why you should meditate and here's some charts. This is what it does to your brain and this is what it does to your nervous system. What we wanted to do is take people on an experience, on a journey, on an emotional arc that um, is what most ultimately entertaining films are built on, you know, a structure of storytelling. And so we took six stories that all had very diverse backgrounds, that all had crisis and all used mindfulness and meditation to move them out of that turmoil. And we look at that on a bird's eye perspective as well, not just through their eyes, but through the eyes of three futurists, Daniel Schmachtenberger, Mikey Siegel and Julia Mosbridge. Um, and they cover some very macro themes like, you know, how does AI play out in all of this? And um, why is it that we can program our AI to be unconditionally loving and yet we can't program humans to be unconditionally loving when we're programming AI and, and humans at the same time? So we, we look at that concept as, a, as an idea. We look at um, the involvement of technology in our lives. We look at existential risk for human species. And for the first time in the, you know, year, thousands and thousands of years of human development, we have this potential now, um, which has always played out where two tribes go to war and you know, use stones and muskets and cannons and into ballistic missiles. And now we have the capacity to actually have one tribe annihilate another tribe and actually annihilate all tribes at the same time. So we never had that before in the history of humankind. So we look at all the existential risks for us as a human species and why our state of mind is the influence and the, in the, I guess, the point that we have to really address. You know, I was recently at Davos in Switzerland, which is, you know, one of the most important, I think, congregations of the top world leaders where we're screening our film there. And a lot of people are there trying to do some really good things on the planet. They're really trying to make some positive change. My point of view and my point of discussion is that it's very difficult for us to keep solving these problems of the planet when the undercurrent and the underlying belief systems and um, states of consciousness that cause these problems hasn't changed. So if we're in continuous win-lose paradigms, we're in a state of egoic lack, if we're in a constant state of me versus you, then we're going to continue to regurgitate and recycle the same patterns and processes. And so we really have to look at um, this lack of wisdom and lack of connectivity to source and self before we really make any changes. Otherwise, we're just literally pushing shit uphill. So true. So true. And how do you feel you talk to these top leaders? Do you, um, do you feel people are aware that it's we need to um, become aware of our beliefs that are creating, that are manifesting our actions and our focus, you know, because we can have the in good intention but be focusing on um, lack over moving forward so do you feel that you know people are aware of this that it is these the, the beliefs and things holding us back or slowly uh it, it's slowly happening um it's it's not really my my intention is not to speak to leaders um mm -hmm. most of the leaders of the systems that are in place actually don't want the change mm -hmm. the leaders that are in place in the systems that have been created um by people of that state of consciousness actually want things to stay the same because they're the ones that profit and thrive in that current status quo. And what we need is we need the masses to start changing what they demand and what they expect and what they want. If uh, 7 billion people on the planet stopped uh, drinking Coca-Cola tomorrow, then Coca-Cola won't produce Coca-Cola. They'll produce whatever the 7 billion people will start wanting to drink. So 
um, we really need to change the state of consciousness of the masses so that that will naturally, by default, change the political and commercial systems that are in place right now. So true, so true. And you know what? Do you, I feel that like, well, we're in Australia at the moment. I really see the consciousness rising massively in Australia. You know, um, I studied uh, naturopathy and personal growth years ago and I was a bit weird. Now it's like the cool thing that everybody wants to go to these um, cacao events and meditation and retreats are like so accepted. Like it's, it's really exciting. And I would also love to hear your opinion on this. So we recently experienced like the fires in Australia and I did see, you know, you shining the light on. It sounded like a bit like that conversation. You know, some people don't want the change because it benefits them and they see a different path of how things are going. But our community, you know, really got behind how can we help make a difference and have a voice in this world. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's going to come down to that. You know, it is definitely shifting at the moment. We're seeing uh, a lot of collaboration and collective uh, change happening. Large groups of people and large groups of groups of people coming together, you know, not just people forming in groups, but then those groups starting to collaborate with other groups. And that's really exciting. So, um, you know, the thing with crisis, like the fires and what we're seeing now with coronavirus is crisis is a fundamental platform for evolution. It's the force of evolution that um, reminds us to return to core values. It reminds us to, um, to wake up. It reminds us to um, stop being distracted. So if the coronavirus needs us to stop thinking that if we go to Tahiti or Fiji or Vanuatu or you know, skiing in um, Aspen, then our life is going to be supremely better, then that's what needs to happen. You know, we need to start realising um, that external or extrinsic value is unsustainable and we have to start exploring intrinsic value. And if the universe recognises that that's being ignored, then it will continue to shower us with devices that need to remind us to find intrinsic value. Love it. And... I mean, we've witnessed it daily, right? It is, I feel also like the media um, putting a bit of fear out there and, and then everybody catches on because, like, everyone's buying toilet paper because they think it's going to run out. But get a, it's just the media. Like, everyone on social media is doing it, so you go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, media... It's tricky for media people because it's very hard. You know, their, their business is built on selling something and to sell something, they have to be able to get eyeballs to value what it is, you know, they're, they're selling, which is media space. And so they very hard to sell media space and get eyeballs on your media if you're not talking about something that people want to look at, which is fear or, you know, the fascination with the abomination, as Joseph Conrad said in, um, in, um, in his book, um, it was heart of darkness. So, you know, th this is the thing, you know, it's fear sells and fear attracts eyeballs. So that's generally what they're going to keep putting out there totally. as long as we keep devouring it. <laughs> and uh, absolutely. And, you know, we can't 
control anything externally. We can only control how we respond. Mm. And that's like trusting ourselves. We can handle whatever comes our way, um, which is empowering. We take our power back. You know, it's super, well, that's helped me a lot on my journey. I love that. Um, I would love to know, there's so much I want to ask you. Okay, so with what can what can the collective do to you know would you say to get started in you know embracing meditation or you know to raise our consciousness and awareness and not be um just do as the media says and all the rest of it how can we take you know step more into our our power and our awareness it's a really good question isn't it how do we give people guidance and support to enhance and embellish their lives and of course the planet i'm looking at firstly we want to look at what is the best contribution we can make to the world and that's health and happiness and if we're healthy and happy then gosh we've completely changed the world in that state you know if everyone was to do that the system's not built for people being healthy and happy it's built for people being in a state of what seems lack or discontent which means that they can buy more things or they're sick which means that they have to go to a very huge multi-multi-trillion dollar business, which is called the pharmaceutical and medical industry. So the system's chronically and, and depressingly built for sick and unhappy people. So the first thing we want to look at is how can I be happy and healthy? What are the things that lead me to being happy and healthy? Spending time with nature, having good connection with people, quieting the mind, getting less distracted, meditating every day. It's really, really simple. We've got to get back to simplicity got to bring it back to basics and i think this is what we're being reminded of here you know with things like the coronavirus let's keep bringing it back to basics um and look at the way some of the happiest people on the planet you know if you look at some of the south american tribal um people uh are, you know they they live in a very beautiful um simple but very uh blissfully aware state and so um as was you know when i studied in northern india and you see some of the great rishis and sages up there and there's a, a great parallel, I believe, uh, in the use of me studying between the cultures and traditions where they forego immense levels of immediate gratification and pleasure, i.e. getting bowls of ice cream and having expensive holidays and, you know, racking up huge amounts of debt so that they can acquire huge amounts of portfolios of properties um, and huge amounts of clothes that they never really wear and just the basic lifestyle patterns that I myself are trapped in and caught up in as well. Um, you know, there's this correlation between that type of lifestyle and the huge levels of discontent and pharmaceutical use for antidepressants and those cultures where they forego immense levels of immediate gratification and pleasure for a deeper spiritual connection and religious connection or, um, or um, connection to inner self and their inner world and their levels of contentment and health and happiness. And so I think we really want to start taking some level of um, insight and input from this this research and go okay wow I, I take the fastest route to pleasure which is a condition of all the animal kingdom take the fastest route to pleasure but within that i find the polarity of some level of pain dynamic so what if i don't take the fastest route to pleasure and i bring in some level of we call it tapas in sanskrit which is a practice or you know for catholics it was lent for you know others it's ramadan or yom kippur you know we see this time and time again where there's a foregoing and a commitment to an internal higher experience um, that is the um, the relinquishing of some form of pleasure. And that's what, you know, this morning I get up, I go for my jog, I do my reading, I do my 
um, journaling and I do my meditation. That's all part of my tapas practice to start my day with a foundation of being fulfilled before I go into action. And then we need to start, I think, having some practices that um, are a commitment and a dedication to having it, as you said before, an internal experience that's more elevating than an external experience. That is amazing. I absolutely agree. We're setting ourselves up by having these practices of mind's movement, meditation, and journaling. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to respond to whatever comes your way. And exactly. And like these habits, these practices compound to then, you know, allow us to move, move further forward. And, you know, it's also building that self-trust, like, oh, I can meditate and make time for yoga and journal and get clear on what I want and how I feel. And then that allows you to add to that, you know, throughout the day and also come back to that as well. Um, I, I find the power of the breath is beyond powerful. I'm sure you, um, I mean, I've been to your retreats. We talk about what's it called? Pradayama. Pradayama. <laughs> like in the middle of the day, like I feel, um, you know, there is a lot of entrepreneurs listening to our podcast. So I really feel like focus and letting go of the distraction of these amazing devices and coming back to breath to like lower the cortisol and actually help you get more done by taking a moment for for yourself. Um, what are some things that, you know, you have this incredible morning routine, which is super, super powerful. Is there any other um, wisdom you might want to share about, you know, how you can get more focused? You know, you've had these huge projects and achieved so much. What are some of the things that helped you throughout the day? I think everyone works differently um, and partly because we're different body types and different brain types. So I can work really hard and fast for short periods of time and then, um, and then I'll take breaks. And, you know, so, um, you know, for me, what I do every morning is I clear my space. I just had a massive clear, particularly on Monday mornings, it's a bit of a clearing of space as the week goes on. I've got notepads and things building up. So I start firstly this week, Monday morning, I cleared my whole, work space um and made sure everything was decluttered then i'll write down my uh sort of list of uh, sort of like a like a school schedule you know school what do you call it the the calendar of your your, your um day and your school so i'll compartmentalize what i've got to do at certain sections of the day so that in those blocks i'm very focused and not distracted um, and so I, particularly with my phone, I find that that can be highly distracting if I'm going in a creative space, which I try to do in the morning because the brain fades in the afternoon. So I try to do creative space in the morning. And there's a great book called The One Big Thing, I think it is, or The One Thing. And it's all about, you know, being able to harness and focus on one thing specifically each day. Um, and so, yeah, compartmentalizing my day is really important, but also in those compartmental sections um i make sure that i have time out so i'll have naps in my day i'll go down to i live quite close to some really beautiful bushland and parkland and beaches so spending time in nature is critical um and obviously you know taking my time out to meditate in the afternoon or you know starting my day with a meditation but taking time out in the afternoon 
you know, I, I, I make sure that I get as an entrepreneur, I, that I get my sort of my rewards for the work that I put in and I'll take that sort of in little sections, like a lunchtime sort of little reward might happen there. And then I'll take one. It's like three o'clock. I've been working through the day and I'm like, damn it, I'm going to take an hour out and sit on the rock in the sun or have a nap and just, you know, and then I go back in for another session and I might go hard and fast from sort of five till seven, have dinner. With, I always make time aside for my family. You know, that's critical. And, and I remember when we were working on the film, a large part of the film culture in Australia was to just, why they were so respected around the world is they work so hard. But I'm like, I don't want to work hard. <laughs> they would work through like crazy times. And I'm like, you know, I've got family. I'm not missing out six till nine. That's like precious time. Cooking with my family, eating with my family, sitting on the sofa watching silly TV. With It's just quality, you know. So there are times that I block out that are kind of unconditional most of the time. Obviously, we've got to have some flexibility, but I think just balance is so important. If we're not doing it with joy and we're not enjoying what we're doing, then what's the point of us doing it? Oh, my God, mic drop. Everybody listen to that. You know, you can have balance. You've achieved phenomenal things and you know the importance of this is, I think, living to your values, you know, making time for your family because that's what matters most and also, you know, rewarding yourself and valuing self-care because that allows uh, longevity in business you know people burn out those people that work 12 hour days it's unsustainable long term so really think you know even just mentioning you know do what brings you joy and yeah, it's an interesting story just on that you know if, if someone I know and I won't go too much detail but someone I know who, who works so ridiculously hard you know married with two kids and He's going through like a multi-million dollar divorce now because his wife said he was never present. It's like, dude, working that extra time didn't pay off in the end anyway. <laughs> well said. Exactly. You know, like if it ends up being in like your health, your marriage, your, you know, your financial all in tatters because you decided that you just didn't want to take any time out because you're trying to take more, make more money. It's, it's just not going to end out that way. It's going to cost you in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. And it's really good to connect in like daily with what brings you joy and fulfillment. You know, like I've also seen it in my uh, friends that they have it all and then they lose a relationship and hello, like success is no fun on your own. Like team, community, friends, loved ones, that's what makes life fun, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. And on that note, I always love to hear your wisdom on all things relationships. Um, You have been married to your beautiful wife with gorgeous kids for many years and you're very honest about everything. And, yeah, can you share some some things that, you know, you feel help have um, longevity in relationships and, you know, keep the love alive? Yeah, gosh, complex is just an understatement for relationships. You know, relationships are really complex because there's so many variables in that, you know, particularly when you've got yin and yang, you've got this masculine and feminine energy coming in, trying to find some level of union. You've got this polarity there that's creating divide. You've got um, personality traits that are completely different and constantly changing as well. And, you know, you've got two people that stand at the altar and go, I want to spend the rest of your, my life with you. And then three years later, they're going, I just want to kill you. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, a really complex place to try and find some simplicity but that's what we look for in in this is simplicity and 
I think one of the big things that's really helped us, you know, 30 years together, and don't get me wrong, it's been challenging, it's been complex, it's been hard. There's been times when it's been really difficult. Um, and the one thing I always suggest with my clients when I'm helping them through relationships is you do everything you can to stay together. You do everything you can to stay together. Because over time, what we find is that each challenge you've been through, particularly if you've got a spiritual practice and you're doing a lot of work to reduce the ego, because the ego is the thing that holds on all the grudges and keeps reciting all the things that you said and all the things that you did and, and keep nicking at each other. With, with a practice, you kind of let go of that very quickly and just become much more present. And what, what are we sharing at this moment here? And you kind of don't keep recycling, regurgitating the past. And that's so hard for the ego to do. But that's the cause of so much toxicity in relationships is remembering and remembering and we're going over all of the past things. When what you have at your disposal is this really beautiful ability to connect uh, at a heart-centered way. Um, and meditation really helps you do that. It's not the complete solution, but it certainly helps you with that. I think another thing that really helps as we start to dissolve the ego is what we lose as well out of that is this clingy neediness of like, I can't live without you. And I remember going to a wedding, a friend of mine who in his speech at the wedding, he talked using words like, she makes me, she's the other half to me, I can't live without her. And I remember whispering, this is not going to end well. And so... Three years later, he knocks on my door and collapses in my arms and she walked out because there was this incompleteness about him as an individual and the clingy neediness that was not attractive. And what we have to do is just be complete in our own journey and find our own journey that we're here as an evolving you know, soul to walk this path and choose to share that with other people or with a person. But ultimately, we're not sharing with a person, we're sharing with the world. You can have a multitude of relationships every single day with your mother, with your father, your brothers, your sisters, your colleagues, your friends, your clients, the guy in the corner store, the, you know, the person you met at, you know, at the gym. You know, every single moment of interaction is sharing the source of your own experience of journeying through life. And it just so happens that we're choosing to share more of that with some people because we're sharing the roof of our house with them. And that's one of the things that's really helped us is to have this really great sense of independence and freedom mm -hmm. and acknowledgement. Uh, ironically, that allows greater levels of attractivity when you give that person the autonomy and the freedom to do that. And I think um, getting over the ego and its neediness and clinginess and fear-based um, ideology around relationships is what will help us have greater sustainability in our relationships. Yep. I absolutely couldn't agree more because from my experience I've had these things like um uh what's it called um I can't remember what it's called now um attachments you know oh they're I'm never going to meet a guy as amazing as him you know and 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 replaying old stories it's just like you said, the ego, and I don't think it's fucking easy journey to, you can be aware, but doesn't mean you don't feel certain things. So, you know, it, I really believe it also comes back to that unconditional self-love and you're on your path and your mission. So you celebrate them for being on their mission. I think that's one of the most attractive things in a partner is they're lit up inside and they're on their mission and it's beautiful to witness and celebrate each other but not need them to live. 
know? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because we're, we're so deeply conditioned and programmed by the ideology of a Hollywood mindset of what the ideal marriage looks like and relationship looks like. And um, the crazy thing is that all of those Hollywood princess style stories and prince style stories that we see are riddled with pain and turmoil anyway. You know, it's, it's I don't know where this idealistic Hollywood notion of what uh, this utopian marriage came from, but it doesn't even exist in Hollywood. So it's it's strange that we keep subscribing to this idea that, that we're going to get to a point where there's no work, there's no challenge, there's no, and that's what a relationship is. You know, it does it does require that. It, it requires a, a lot of ongoing support and negotiation and compromise and discussion and um, at times conflict, you know, and we have to be real about that. Yeah, I love it. And forgiveness, move yeah. forward. And the more compassion we have for ourselves, that love and acceptance, compassion, we will reflect that in our other relationships, right? So, and you can't control these other people, you can control yourself and your response. So it's taking your ownership of that and then it's mirrored and the triggers are less. Or yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, relationships, you know, I, be I believe like, you know, all of us want to experience more love in our life and also um, great health, like you mentioned, health and vitality and also abundance, like uh, not living in this lack and debt and just thriving. Um, so I really like talking about these three things in every um, aspect. Um, do you have any uh, thing to share in that um, area, actually? Um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about manifestation and, you know, you know, connecting with the feeling of what we'd like to receive and, you know, showing up as if it's done, et cetera. What are your, you know, if you have a client that's like, um, comes to you and they want to be able to manifest these 10k months with ease and flow what would you um how would you start there yeah oh, look I mean I've grappled with this a lot in my life to be honest with you you know I had some deep coding from Irish back, Catholic background that's you know generations of coding that you know I come into this world in this incarnation and that's my blueprint that I I'm uh, you know experiencing and you don't realize how deeply affected that is in, in your life and plays out in your life you know it's been playing out for, for many many decades in my life so I can empathize with anyone that comes to me with those issues and um, I work with a lot of clients in that space because most of us have got a deep coding around lack mm -hmm. uh, and around uh, you know polluted concepts of affluence and abundance being full of greed or narcissism and so it's just a really really deeply coded area for us that is probably one of the hardest ones to break through um again you know letting go of there's so much going on now with laws of attraction and manifestation and we're all manifesting all the time uh we're all manifesting all the time we're manifesting our own experience of life as in the incarnation out of a desire to be us our greatest desire we have is to be us to be ourselves. that's why we're here and so that's why we manifest this incarnation out of the desire to experience me, Tom. And so we're always manifesting. We just got to start realizing how freaking good we are at it and um, how powerful we are at it. And you manifest your hairstyle, you manifest the clothes you put on today, you manifest me being on this podcast because of the intention and the desire. And so we've got to start realizing how powerful we are at it and, and how directed our attention is towards it. 
Um, but it can't come from a place of, ideally, it, it's challenging when it's coming from a place of lack because that's the underlying energy that we're vibrating with and that vibration that we're sending out is the, uh, the frequency that will continue to manifest in our lives. So we might be able to attract some things and because there's an inherent scent of lack and um, disconnect from the source of all things, which is our own presence, then we'll keep manifesting. And that's what I kept doing. I, I still had this attachment to this egoic present, that occupant that was vibrating with some sort of underlying subconscious sort of lack. And that's why I could manifest abundance, but then I had all these problems that kept, stripping that abundance away from me so it's um it's a it's a complex area i think for all of us the best thing we can do is firstly recognize that we're manifesting at all times um but then get more specific about what it is that we're looking to manifest and not go gosh i really need to manifest someone in my life because if i don't then i'm going to be miserable um that uh sort of energetic uh, uh, you know yeah. resonance that is going to maybe attract something but make you lose them very quickly um, or maybe not allow you to attract something because the vibration is of lack and that's what you'll keep manifesting. So it's very deep and it's very complex. We have to get really into the subtleties of what it is that we're feeling and what it is we're thinking and what it is that we're emanating out to the universe. Some people go even a step further and just completely eradicate the thinking, feeling body and just start with just presence, which is abundance, mm -hmm. spirit, source, divine, God, does not have any state of lack. It is all things. And when we can really, but that's a very long spiritual journey to, to get there where you're just resonating with complete and utter abundance. And then you play with this capacity to just pull from the field at will and manifest. And that's where you're very, very enlightened sages play at that point. Yeah. But for most of us, it's just, you know, getting clear about what it is we want to intend and how we're going about with our strategies and sequences to put those things into place. Mm, love it. Beautiful. Uh, and I, I agree. Like I also feel that, um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of shame around debt and stuff. And it's like, people want to put out this image that you've got it all together or else maybe people won't, want to work with you or something like that but that vulnerability and realness is what builds connection everybody's been everybody that I know has been through some kind of financial loss or financial stress and and that tension has like allowed them to create phenomenal things if they hold that vision and really connect with the feeling of where they're going so you can choose to look at it and be like see see that difficult circumstance as a blessing knowing that you're going to have to show up and create and be resourceful and creative to shift it out of it um yeah so perspective is everything hmm. yeah, um, so i would also love to know um what is your favorite book <laughs> apart from this <laughs> amazing book here called the portal which is by tom cronin and jackie pfeiffer so apart from this amazing book what has been a book that has influenced your journey there's been a few really powerful books i actually have a blog out um 10 of my most influential books that i've read in my life but i i think one that keeps coming to mind because 
it was just the right time and it was so powerful was Emmanuel's book by Pat Rodgast. It's actually was channeled by Pat Rodgast by an ascended being called Emmanuel. And it's some of the most profound truths and insights for us as a human by someone that's walked this path before. Um, there's some obviously Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is phenomenal. Uh, a fantastic read, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle as, as well is fantastic. Um, I really got a lot out of Dan Millman's book, uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, mm. was really wonderful. Um, I loved a lot of Deepak Chopra's books, but yeah, that's a good start for people. <laughs> You're beautiful. Well, I'll leave a link to that um, blog. Yeah. That blog in the show notes too. And also, if you could have lunch with anybody in the world, who would it be and why? So it could be, yeah, any of your enlightened friends or? That's such a good question. Well, if they could be past um, beings as well, I would, I really would be an honour to sit and dine with Sri Anandamay Ma, who is a, a beautiful, profound Indian sage and rishi she she was incarnate quite enlightened and lived her life as a beautiful soul um i think being in the presence of uh hugging amma would be quite phenomenal the dalai Lama would be phenomenal um yeah uh gosh i think having russell brand in the mix would be pretty cool as well i watched him the other night and he was quite amazing and i think he's a great human being so yeah i don't know i think that those people would be quite phenomenal i think uh swami brahmananda saraswati who uh walked this earth in the early 1900s um to be in his presence would be quite phenomenal as well mm. i knew that some magic would happen there that you would think of these you know not the standard um heroes of today's world that you know maybe many of us would choose i knew that you would be like yeah tuning into some amazingness there so i'll look up those people because i've heard of those names but i don't know much about what they what magic they've brought to this world um we're coming close to the end of our podcast but i would love to know how is, has there been, a, you are a phenomenal, you've done the inner work, you're incredible, um, you've got incredible gifts in meditation and birthing your vision, but what do you feel has really helped you, like, build this incredible brand and influence and being able to, you know, create this global tribe? So, you know, a lot of us that you know, in the online world, digital marketing, building your personal brand, etc. Is there anything that you can think of that's helped you um, up-level and bring your message to the world? Yeah, I think know your limits, know what your sweet spot is and know where you want to spend your time and um, don't buy into all the bullshit and... Look, it's going to, it's a really difficult thing. I've learned a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons the hard way, paid a lot of dumb tax, paid a lot of agencies, a lot of money to do a lot of things that they didn't deliver on. Um, you know, it's, it's a really difficult path to walk because you can't do everything yourself. You do need support and you don't want to be staying in the lane trying to spend three days to build a website. Someone can do it on Wix for, you know, half a day. Um, you've got to stay in the lane of doing what your sweet spot is, have the right support people that are going to help you. But I think keep your costs down. 
keep it simple. Don't uh, overexpand and extend yourself until you're ready to do that. You know, if you're Brendan Bouchard and you need a team of 20 people, if you're Anthony Robbins, you need a team of 60 people. But if it's you, you might need two people to help you, a good VA and a good designer or someone or someone good in marketing, you know, that um, the, I, I learned the hard way. I went out all guns blazing and admittedly we set some really nice brands up, but, you know, it cost us an absolute bomb. And uh, even with the film, you know, we've learned the hard way. We've brought in some big agencies and some big names and big people. And it was just, you know, we, we made some really big mistakes. And I think keep it simple, keep it simple and start small, go organically. Unless you've got someone who's willing to throw a ton of money at you, then even then that's just going to have its own burden. So I just think keep it small, keep it simple and stay in your lane. Know what your sweet spot is and have support people around you to help you stay in your lane so you're doing what you love. So well said. I really believe that will help a lot of people. Um, So you do many, many things. I have uh, watched the amazing The Portal movie twice. It was phenomenal and it was just like artwork, seeing it all come together from beautiful perspectives from these incredible humans all over the world with their own unique story and you know, even moving through trauma and how, you know, meditation and calming the mind has allowed them to live a beautiful life. Um, And how can people that want to see this movie, how can they see it? Is there a website? They can go to enter the portal. That's E-E-N-T-E-R as in enter the door, enterthaportal.com. At the moment, we're still in cinema screenings. We're about to go into what's called licensed screenings where people can actually um, register to show that film in their yoga community or their meditation centre or their company or their church group. So they'll get a, a licence and they'll be able to have the rights to screen that film. So that's where it's still in community, but we're going much broader now out of cinemas and into um, groups and then eventually we'll go probably in about three to four months um, once the technology is ready and we're past the group community screenings we'll go into where people can rent it gift and download it on our website and potentially on other websites like your iTunes and Hulu so um, it'll probably be globally accessible um, digitally in a few months time but within a week or two it'll be accessible as I guess when this comes out it'll be already available um, through licensing where people can say hey I want to you know, put this on for my community, you know, how do I do that? And then they'll pay a licensing fee because it's a, something we have to recoup for the exorbitant amount of money we spent making the film. Absolutely. And I, you know, a big thing that I've learned along the way is you can actually impact more people if you're receiving for the gifts that you're sharing. So, you know, I would love to see the the portal actually make millions of dollars that are in the hands of beautiful souls that know how to contribute and make a difference in the world and you know this is one of the purpose of the film is how meditation can save the planet like and yeah so that's beautiful and you also you know in my own experience like um I've met so many people and even myself you know people struggling with anxiety and depression and these things and you are a master at you know delivering this content and really helping people you know yes master their meditation and also 
move move through the lower feelings and vibrations, feeling all the feelings, and then you know being able to uh, bridge with courage and choose you know the more um, lighter feelings of love and all the rest of it. So how can we find your trainings and your events and your Bali retreat, which is coming up in May? Yeah, they can go to tomcronin.com. It's really simple and everything there, my coaching retreats, weekend workshops, it's all there on tomcronin.com. Amazing. And highly recommend his retreats. Um, I went in Bali in 2018 and it was just magical. I didn't know what to expect. I'm not a, a meditator and I was just left a new woman and made beautiful friendships. So, yeah, I believe investing in yourself is the best investment. Having these tools to allow you to handle whatever comes your way is just so grateful. Um, so, Tom, is there any um, message you would love to leave our Courageous Leaders tribe Um and, you know, we're going to all follow you and download your magic, um, go see the portal, etc. cetera. Uh, is there any powerful message you'd love to leave with our tribe? I think in this very complex time on the planet, when we're going through some very difficult experiences, that to know deeply within us there's the eye of the storm, the calm, and that that's our sanctuary, that's our salvation, that's our, you know, our go-to place that is free of the binding effects of life around us, you know, this charge that experiences that we engage and interact with um, create in us. And so, you know, finding whatever tool of meditation you can, but spending time each day to connect into that inner quiet, that inner silence, that inner stillness, is really going to be that it's it's the portal to your own inner peace and the the foundation of who you are so that will carry you through these difficult times and it's not about running away it's about connecting into your truth and your core so i would highly recommend making that uh, a big priority in your scheduling for your day um, even if it's five or ten minutes make that uh, something that you you dedicate your time to it's easy to get distracted in our world today, but trying to become attracted to that and make a big difference, I think. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pleasure. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Very first, I feel honoured. Yes, just like our last podcast, mm -hmm. very right. first and the best. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate you so much. Um, this is packed full of value. We covered like so many different things and I really believe it'll really empower so many people so thank you thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the courageous leaders podcast I would love you to subscribe and leave an honest review on apple podcasts this allows us to inspire and impact more people if you'd also love to stay connected and see our upcoming events and the show notes please go to carolynzanetti.com Thank you so much.